It's good to be in his house. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. It's so hard. There's so many distractions in our life. <clears throat> There's so much stuff around us, isn't there? So much stuff to distract us, and we forget that everything is about him. It's so funny. I've used this analogy before. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice a little bit. Huh. It's been going around. I didn't get it, <clears throat> except today. I've used this analogy before, but <clears throat> when we look through our eyes, it's like an ant farm, an ant farm in your living room. <laughs> Hopefully it's not in your living room. But it's an ant farm in your building, building, doing, doing, and you feel so important about what you've got to do. And you know what? God made us. God compares us to the ant, actually. He tells us to look at their diligence as a testimony. But if we forget of why we're supposed to be diligent, then we're no different. The ant doesn't have the soul. It has diligence, but it doesn't have a soul, and it doesn't have an eternal purpose like we do. And if we're not careful, we can be diligent. And Jesus said, look at them, but we could just be doing, 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 going, 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 and then we're going to get to heaven. And we'll be saved because we knew him and we called on him, but Jesus says, all your works were just you. And Jesus said, when we get to heaven, he's going to try our works with fire. We've been talking about the fire of God. I'm going to transition, but I'll just finish it with this statement. He's going to test what you've done on this earth with fire. And if it's eternal, if it was for the kingdom of God, then it says that when fire tested, it'll be like gold and silver and precious stones. You know, those things are actually birthed in the fire. We've been going through trials, going through testings as believers, and we will continue. But those things that when you stay, when you decide to stay and you decide to keep trusting him, there is these precious stones. There's a gold. All the impurities are burned away and what's left is actually eternal. But if we've built our kingdom for ourselves, the Bible calls that wood and hay and stubble. It's the things of this earth. It's your own kingdom and it will be burned. But it says you'll make it, but there'll be a smell of smoke on you. We don't want to just make it. Come on, we don't want to just make it. How silly is that? Who as an adult wishes that they made a few changes in their high school, college time? Has any adults thought, man, if I could just go back and just do this or that a little bit differently, huh? It's funny because I think all of us in one way or another, we can be happy, we can be satisfied with where we're at, and we just got to keep going. You can't live in the past. You have to just keep going and trust God and trust that he's going to use wherever you're at for the rest of your life. You're just going to keep moving. But if we could go back and make some changes, I think we'd all agree. Imagine heaven, eternity, there is no going, that's, there's real no going back. I mean, now you might be able to go back to school. You could make some changes if you really felt like that's what God wanted for you, that what's going to help your life. But there's no going back. There's no redos. That's it. It's sealed for all time. We should be so aware of this. That's not, that's not heavy. That's light. That should uplift you. That should free you. It's to get us to see that this place, I say this often, but I can't help it because it's the gospel. Jesus showed us that. 33 years old, he went to the cross. This life is quick, it's short, it's temporary, but there's an eternal kingdom. There was a throne that couldn't be taken. 
There was a throne that Jesus ascended to and sat on for eternity, and he's invited you to sit with him for eternity. That's where we need to be looking, huh? Right, church? I want to look right now. I just want to just move to uh, a new subject, but I want to transition right with that thought. Keep that thought in mind. So I want to transition for the next weeks. I don't know how many, but for a little while. And just want to read. I'm going to be a little bit transparent. This was just a personal prayer I wrote to the Lord a couple weeks ago. And sometimes I write things down. I just want to get my thoughts out. I don't know what's in my head. So I'll just write some things down. And I just want, I felt like I wanted to read it to you. Is that okay? It's very short. It just says, Jesus, you are God and you are good and I love you. And even though I question this constantly, I know I do because you said, if you love me, obey me. And I want to obey you more than anything. Constantly battered by the pressures of my humanity, but as Paul says, I press on. Thank you, God, for loving me unconditionally and staying faithful to me, even though I'm not faithful. But you said, follow me, and that's what I'm going to do. I've tripped a few times on this journey, but I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning back. Help me, oh my God, to keep going, to endure the pressures and come out the other side refined. I don't live by my feelings or what I think. I live by faith, not by sight. I live by the Spirit. And to live by Him, you must stay close to Him. And I just found it. I wrote it. And then I started, I started searching the Lord's heart. You know, we're so busy. We're doing so much that I, come to, I start seeking the Lord for what He wants me to speak on. And something, sometimes I know weeks ahead. Sometimes I don't know. So I just start studying and just start jotting down some things that I'm thinking, and I might be all over the Bible. But the Lord starts, and anybody who's ever preached a sermon, you'll see that if you're faithful to keep studying, keep seeking, if you seek me, you'll find me. He starts kind of pointing you in the direction, takes a little bit sometimes, takes six hours, 10 hours, days sometimes, but just keep trusting him, keep seeking him, and he'll start pointing you in the direction. I knew that the Lord wanted me to speak on faith, and then I found this prayer that I just wrote to him just uh, some weeks ago before that. I didn't say, I'm going to preach on this because of this prayer. And I was like, wow, God, the very thing I started to pray to you, I see the sermons in here. I saw the refining. I just wrote that. And I just saw God's faithfulness that we just, we just need to give it all to him. We just need to lay it out there for him. God is, it's funny, we, he knows it all, but he still wants to hear from your heart. He knows all, but that doesn't mean we don't pray, we don't tell him, right? It's so, it's so funny. He already knows what you're going to pray before you pray it, and yet it has to be prayed. So I just want to encourage you, and I want to move, and I, I'll go into this quickly. I want to speak to you about faith. Faith and not sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Come on, do we even know what faith is as believers? Well, I think we have all kinds of ideas about faith as Christians. There is faith, we call our Christianity, the faith. And that is, a, that is a, a one definition, just what your, your belief. I, we have the faith, we have Christianity, that's the faith. And then there is faith where 
I'm believing in him and I'm trusting in him. There's, there's that faith. And then there's actually other levels. Actually, there's actually even gifts of faith where it's not even you believing. It's not even you. It was a gift put on you and you were able to have a supernatural ability to believe. That's actually a gift from God, the gift of faith. I don't want to go towards the gift of faith in this uh, time that I'm going to be speaking. And I don't want to, we, we understand that we are believers. We have the faith. I just want to talk about faith, which is just believing God. It's, it's, you, it's what you can do. It's, it's your part. There's a supernatural part that he can give you. And I love when he gives, you know, when that person's got that gift of faith where God has put it on them. They just have super faith. And I love that, but we also have to, uh, to see that that is a gift from God, and he gives you the, the, the list of gifts that that's not going to be everybody's gift. It could be if God wanted to be, but it's not. But we all can have faith. We can all choose to believe him. And our faith is not just for our needs. If your faith is only for your need, you are not truly in faith. What happens is, is our enemy is wiser than your humanity. He's not wiser than God. He's only wiser than your human mind. And if you, he can get you to stay in your needs, God will meet them, doesn't he? And we can believe and we can trust him and God will take us through. But if he can keep you there, you'll spend your whole life just believing God for that. It'll, you will never, ever, I just said it last week, not be going into a storm, be in a storm, or coming out of a storm. They will keep coming. But we need to be more than that. And I've, as I've said many times, Jesus found a way to live in the same world as us, and yet we have the physical thing he did, but it's a metaphor for us as Christians. He physically walked upon the water. He walked upon the waves. It's also a metaphor. He did it on purpose. He didn't need to. He could have just flown across too. He could have just dropped himself on the other island, but he walked on those waters to show us that there is a way of living that is above. There's a way of living in this world as a believer, as someone who is, is not from this world, but yet we're in it. And yet, even though it's happening all around us, it's not affecting you. Does that make any sense? And Jesus showed us that it's not only possible, but called us to live as he does. We fall so short, and I love his grace and his mercy, don't you? But that doesn't mean that then we don't press, we don't keep pushing. Just because we fall short and we live in his grace doesn't mean that then we just hang there. I love that, that his grace is there every single time, right to the very end. But he calls us to get up again and to keep trusting him again and to be more. There is more for us. Come on, I want you to say it out loud. There's more for me. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And if all you are doing is existing and calling on God to take care of that issue in your life, then that's okay. You will get to heaven, but there's more for you. There's more for you. God wants to take that issue, and, and I kind of touched on it, I know, in some weeks ago in, in a couple of different ways, but if we stay there, we're just going to be missing so much. 
What God, the, honestly, the best thing you can do as a believer is I know it's hard to ignore it. And, and when you're not feeling well and when you're tired and when you're cranky and when there's stuff going on in your life, it's the hardest time. That is the hardest time to keep going and to keep trusting, right? We just go into, we go into like, when I don't feel well, I feel so justified to have the TV on. I don't really like to have TV on just like during the day. But if I'm not feeling well, I'm like, well, I don't feel good. And, and I don't do this often, so this is fine. But as Christians, don't be surprised if the devil, with one thing or another, he will try to get you to be laying on your bed watching TV, in, you know, spiritually, metaphorically, not necessarily that's your thing. I don't know what your thing is. But he'll get you to stay there. And you still love God. You trust God. You want to live for him. But he'll just get you living in such a mediocre, you know, uh, uh, get me through life if you let him. And what you have to do at that moment, we could, come on, Christians, you can testify that when you didn't feel well, that when you were tired, that when you were going through a storm and you went through it anyway, you kept praising God anyway, especially when there was somebody else in your life that needed you and you pushed your issue aside and helped them instead, who watched your issue become very small? In fact, somehow it just sometimes they even disappear. Isn't that amazing? Now, does it mean that God doesn't love you if you are laying on your bed and just wallowing in your issue? Of course he loves you. Is his grace there? Of course it is. Is his mercy there? Of course it is. Is he still going to speak to you? Of course he will. But you are living short of what you are capable of. There's so much more for you. There's more for us. And I want to say it like this. If we don't do it, who will? God is, your time is ticking. And, and yet, and so is the world's clock. God will raise up someone else. But at the same time, and I say that very quickly. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. If I won't do it, he'll replace me too. Doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Of course he does. But he also has a job that needs to be done. At the same time, though, at the same time, I, the next person may not reach every person that I could have. There might be those ones that, me, me specifically, you specifically, were called to touch their lives. Does that mean that God won't still, he can still do something and he'll use the next, per, he'll replace it. God is a God of restoration. Just go through your Bible. He, it crushes, it burns, it's war, there's whatever. I mean, there's always crisis. People are people still today, the same people today with, with technology and with different clothing on are still the same people, the Bible. God is merciful and he'll do it again, but there's so much loss. Just read through those stories. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, though. God's faithful, but look at the loss. Just so much loss. So much that could have been done different. And we don't then judge them either. He penned it down. God preserved this book for us so that today, 2,000 years after the cross, we can look at their lives and say, I'm not going to make the same mistakes. 
Does that mean that we're superhuman, that we're better than them? No, it just means, first of all, we have Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament didn't have those advantages, so technically... God could judge us differently. I don't know. That's between him and, him and you before the throne. He could judge us even stricter than those in the Old Testament. In fact, there are some scriptures that point to that he might. That's between you and him at the end. I don't have that. I'm not saying that as a... As a I'm not going to lock that one down. You, you take that statement. That's loose out there. But the point is that there is more. And, and God's faithful, but I don't want someone else to do what God's called me to do. Come on. And your life is not waiting for anyone. It's not waiting. Who's getting any younger? <laughs> Anybody getting younger here today? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The apostles in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, they said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And I believe that should be our prayer to him. Lord, help us. The Lord is very quick to answer that prayer. He loves when we give, you give him your faith. He gives you an answer. He gives you power. He gives you strength. He gives you what you don't have. That's what faith is. If it's you, then it's not faith. You have the faith, just a general belief in Jesus and, and in what he did in his blood and the cross, and that's the faith. You believe that, but then when the pressure comes on your life, then you need to have faith that the faith is actually in you and not just around you. It's not just in this place of, oh yeah, I believe it. Like a, there's an analogy and I've used it before. You don't really believe in the parachute till the doors open and they kick you out the door. At that point, do you really believe? <laughs> you better believe then it's going to work. You got to believe like that. We have to believe like that. I don't need anybody to kick me out the door. I'm ready to jump, Lord, because I do believe. Where better in the word for faith to go to Hebrews? And I just want to read this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. You may know it as the just live by faith. It says, and my righteous ones... The righteous ones are who? That's the believers. That's those the true believers. This are, these are those that we're not righteous on our own, are we? Jesus made us righteous by his blood, by your identification in him. When you got under his blood and God saw you on that cross, when he looked at Jesus, he sees you. Jesus took your place, but you are righteous because God looks at you on that cross. So who are the righteous ones? That's us here today. And we must live by faith. The righteous ones, the just, that's us. We live by faith. But I will, and we love quoting that. You're going to find that at Hobby Lobby on a plaque. You won't find this second line at Hobby Lobby though. <laughs> will you? You ever see a t-shirt with this on it? I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. We love the faith part. This is the same exact verse, 
but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. In fact, what he's actually showing us here is a definition of faith. Faith is those that don't turn away. It's easy to turn away when the pressures come. And that's, I've been talking about it, sorry. It's just where the Lord's got us right now. For weeks and weeks and weeks now on the pressures and on the fires and on the trials. But and we've been seeing that God actually uses them because when those things come around your life, they show you. God doesn't need to test you. God knows who you are before you know who you are. But it shows you. It shows us. It shows me, do I have faith or don't I? And that pressure comes, God doesn't do it to you. The world does it. Your sin does it. The devil does it. God doesn't need to do it. There's plenty of other things that do it. But then God uses it because we rely on him. We turn to him and then our faith, it either is there or it's not or we find it. Come on. That might be the moment where you find it. They have a saying that there are no atheists in the foxhole. You're going to find it. <laughs> when it comes to, down to do you believe or not, put some pressure around, around you and it's going to reveal it or it's going to make you. So I love that God is faithful to us. I love that he lets just enough. The Bible tells us, though, it says, I'm going to paraphrase, he doesn't let a pressure get to you that's beyond your ability. Whatever comes to you, the Bible says you actually have within you through Christ the ability to go through it. You have the answer. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are capable of overcoming. Which means, if that's a fact, that means that when we say, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Yes, you could. It doesn't mean you're going to live in condemnation. Yes, you could. But what it also does is we don't live there, but then we say, wow, we realize how, how much, how easily we fall short. We realize how weak our flesh is, and it causes us to have faith, not in ourselves, because we realize ourselves, we're, we're going to fail. But God will never fail, and it causes a faith in us to grow, doesn't it? Come on, believers. Haven't you seen your faith grow through those moments? I love those moments. You don't like it in the moment. <laughs> but after that moment, you learn to love them, and you'd never give them up. It says in verse 39, but we... Come on, let's read this out loud. But we are not like those who turn away, or you may know it as draw back. We don't draw back. We're not drawing back. We're not turning away. We are not turning away from God to their, whose destruction? To their own. It's your own destruction. It's not God. As I've said before, God does not send anyone to hell. We just don't choose life. God doesn't need to send you. He gave you everything. He gave Christ. He gave the blood. He gave the Holy Spirit. He gave us creation itself. He said is enough for no excuse to know that there's God. 
It's to our own destruction when we turn, around, uh, turn away. But we, this, that's us, guys. We are the faithful. We're the ones full of faith. We're the faithful ones. We're the ones full of faith. So we're not going to draw back. When you draw back, that means that your faith is not there. When we fall away, that means that we have, we've put our faith aside. So faith pushes us forward. This is not a self-help motivational speech. If it were, you wouldn't have faith. Because you're going to find the end. You can call it whatever you want. Call it faith. But if it's in you, you're going to find the end of it. And God is so jealous for you. He loves you so much. And he doesn't want your destruction to happen in your life. And he will make sure. The more stubborn, the more prideful you are, the, the harder... Come on, the harder the rock, the bigger the sledgehammer. I mean, you might as well just get it over with now. Just get it over with. He doesn't, he loves you so much that he'll put, he'll just, he'll, he'll let the enemy do what he's got to do around your life, not to, to make you suffer, but to make you see that you cannot do it, but he can. Because as soon as we cry out to him, come on, we've been in low places as believers, haven't we? And we've cried out to him and we saw his answer come. It may have taken time. That's another sermon. <laughs> That's a series of sermons. But he came through and will be saved. Amen. Lord, we thank you. You're so good to us. It says in Hebrews, see this is in chapter 10, and I wanted to kind of go a little bit here in 10, a little bit in 11, a little bit in 12, just see what I get to today. Whatever I don't get to, I will come back to. I believe that God's, this is what God's saying right now. And it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And I read an amazing commentary on verse 1. I just want to read it to you. It says, Do you remember how you felt when you were very young and your birthday approached? You were excited and anxious, and you knew you would certainly receive gifts and other special treats. But some things would be a surprise. Birthdays combine assurance and anticipation, and so does faith. Faith is the confidence based on past experience, right, and the word. I'm adding that in, but we can look at his word. Helps to show the definition of, hey, this is what God's done in my life before. This is what God's done for this one and that one and this one and that one. And he promised that there'd be a savior that came and he did. So that's not necessarily in my life, but I'm going to apply those things that happened to them. And he did it for them. He did it for the world. He, Christ is for all. I'm going to put that right here with my own stories to know that, okay, if he did this so far, past experience, that God's new and fresh surprises, right? We take the past and what's tomorrow, it'll surely be ours. The beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says. The end point is believing in God's promises. Come on, I'm going to read that one more time. The beginning of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says he is. 
And then that's the faith, right? That's just the faith. We're in the faith. But then we, we believe in God's promises. We're going to have to believe him that he's going to do it. He's going to do it. We believe he does. It's our faith. He will do what he says when we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see those promises materializing yet. That's when we demonstrate true faith. What an amazing commentary. 11.1 is kind of a confusing verse. I never, ever understood the wording of that. I checked every translation to find the best way to read it. Read it NLT anyway. But there is a hope that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And I don't see it yet. The only evidence I have is the hope in me. The only evidence I have is that he's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? The only evidence I had is that he said he would do it, and that's it. What we don't understand, though, is what traps us. The not understanding. So many times the devil tries to get you, and that's been a kind of a common thread throughout these sermons as well, is when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense. That is such a temptation from the devil. When you don't understand, it's such a temptation for us to go try to make sense of it. Go try to understand. You are off, I'm telling you right now from the Spirit of God. As soon as you do that, you're on a rabbit trail. You're off. You were not meant to understand it all. You were not meant to try to make sense of it all. What you were meant to do was believe it. Right to, you Ready? I'm going to say a harsh statement right till your death. Whether you got what you wanted or not that's, not, that's not your problem, and that's not for you to worry about. That's for God. God will work that out. He does what he says. So if you died believing and you didn't see, you don't feel like, come on, we have to also remember we're human. You may just not realize that God actually did what he said he was going to do. You had a false perception of what the answer was. But even if you didn't on this side, God is constantly through his whole word. And I'm going to look at some of those verses if I can quickly. He's constantly reminding us that this place is temporary. You were designed to be eternal, but sin entered the world and it created a hiccup, but nothing that I can't get past. Come on, this is the Spirit of God speaking to you. I've got my son, my own son, sent for your behalf and he's going to give you eternal life again. So believe on him. The body's going to die. Don't worry about that. And he'll restore what was originally designed. A new heaven and a new earth is coming. We need to believe that. Come on, Paul believed that Jesus was coming back any day. He had just left. And if he believed that then, come on, the verse says it. We're closer now than when we first believed. 2,000 years later, yeah. Say we're pretty close. But regardless, our clocks are ticking. God's got some things to get done through you. It says in 11 verse 2, through their faith, the people in days of old, they earned a good reputation. I want you to listen to that. 
Those of old, through faith, they earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. So faith is what this, we're starting to get a little more of a definition here. Even the earth was formed with faith. What does that mean? Does God need faith? No, but God's showing us what faith actually is. He's saying it didn't exist before. That's not a problem for me because I'm God. And when we understand that's how God works, we have faith. We have faith. Our faith is believing that God doesn't need pre-existing. He doesn't need good, bad, ugly. He doesn't need dirt. He doesn't need clay. Come on, we try to, we try to help God. We try to give him much as we can, let me just get cleaned up. Let me get ready. Let me do this first, and then I'll be ready. Let me get my things, my ducks in a row, and then I'll come to God, and then, then I'll have faith. Faith is that God works from nothing, can work from your nothing right now. He said that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. You're not going to make any sense of it anyway. It's not even, his answer is not even in your capacity to understand. And verse 6, it is impossible. Wait, I want you to say that word out loud so that your spirit hears it. It's impossible. One more time. It's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe. Here's that definition. Some of that came from this, that God exists. And then he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You, he not only exists, but when you start giving him your faith, that then he starts arranging your life. Don't try to put a definition on rewards. Don't put an American dream definition on rewards. Come on. Come on, because the... The guy in China who's in the underground church, his reward is he's realized it's not going to be in stuff. It's not going to happen for me. Jesus is my reward. He can give you the stuff. It's not hard for God to give stuff. Come on, it's just stuff. It's just dirt. <laughs> it's, there's nothing. It's, at the end of the day, it's just dust. Verse 16, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. So I just want to read one more time. I want to read verse 2 says, through their faith, come on, let's hear this. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So God was pleased with them enough for the writer of Hebrews to write down that these guys, I'm about to tell you about a whole bunch of guys and we don't have time for their list. We'll look into that. I'm about to tell you about a whole bunch of different people in, in the word and they had a good reputation on earth and with God because of their faith. Okay, with that said, they, referring to the list of people, referring to those who had a good reputation, they consistently Concise all together. This was the reason why their faith existed. This is why they had faith and why it stuck through enough to be penned down as a good reputation thousands of years later. And it's because they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God 
is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Come on, this is good. Come on, somebody, preacher, this is good. (laughs) I just want you, again, I don't have time for the whole list. I'm going to merge in here at the end. I just want to pick up here in verse 24, because I thought that this one said something special for today. It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the, come on, read that word out loud. He chose to share the, this is a guy who had faith, and this is a guy who had a good reputation with faith, trusted God, and he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. They're fleeting. It's passing away. Pleasure is, it says sin is pleasurable for a season. Come on, we're all close to being over 18 in here. You found the end of your pleasure, and it was bitter at the end. It wasn't pleasure anymore. It says he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. What do you mean? Wait a second. I thought we were talking about faith, preacher. Why wouldn't God use all the riches of Egypt as his reward? I'm so quiet in here. God could. But I'm going to, instead of me applying a 22,000s philosophies and teachings to, to my the faith, I'm going to go to the word and get a real definition of those that had faith. And it says that those things, he wasn't even looking for those things, didn't even care about those things. That wasn't his reward. Is God capable? Of course he is. But it says it was by faith, verse 27, that Moses left the land of Egypt. He left the world. He left the world and its fleeting pleasures and its rewards that eventually burn to the ground, its rewards that end up becoming dust at the end of your life. He left all of that behind. He left. Not fearing the king's anger, he didn't care what it cost him on this earth or who hated him or who was going to be after him. And he says he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. I love this chapter. I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface today. It says, verse 32, how much more do I need to say? Don't you love when the word says, how much more do I need to say? He said a lot that I didn't say today. I've said enough. How much more do I need to say, he says to us. I need you to understand this. We need faith, and we need to understand what faith is. But he says, how much more do I need to say? But let me tell you a little more, just in case you don't get what faith is. He says, by faith, come on. He says, by faith, you know, and we have, these are just a touch, just a touch. 
But verse 33, by faith, these people, they overthrew kingdoms, they ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. Before I go on to 35, I want you to see what God is capable of, what he has done in the past he can do in your life. But I want to say this with a capital B, capital U, capital T. But I'm going to read 35, and don't think that this list somehow changed topics that we're not still talking about faith. Are you ready? Verse 35, we're still talking about faith. We're still talking about that those that God is not ashamed. It says that God is not ashamed to be called their God because of their faith. And it continues, women received their loved ones back. Thank you, God. But others were. Others who still remained in faith. Others who still had faith that was commendable enough to be penned down. Others that still had faith that God's not ashamed to be their God. There were others that had faith. Faith is not just you getting what you want or you getting the result you want. Just because the result that you wanted in your life is not there does not mean you don't have faith. You got to get God's vision and God's purpose, a heavenly purpose. It doesn't make sense for a man at 33 to die. It doesn't make sense. Where's his reward? Where's, what is the purpose of all those years, of all that life, of being righteous and then to be put on a cross and be put to death? Because there's a grander purpose than what you're going to get on this earth. And anything that you possibly could be asking God here may come. Come on, I want you to hear it. It may come. God is good. God can give you, and he has given me many things that I don't deserve and I don't need. But he does not have to do it, and it's not a faith or lack of faith either. Because my faith could cause me, I could have, I need just as much faith. Come on, we're making any sense? Sorry, I'm not yelling for no reason. But others were tortured. Others, they had so much faith that even though they were tortured, they refused to turn from God in order to be set free. Others had faith. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Come on, just because we have a good life here in the States doesn't mean, come on, it doesn't mean that this is not a facade. It's, they, they, they say this in Christianity that it's almost persecution helps the church grow. I just, I don't want that to happen. I don't want God to have to persecute us to get us to realize physically that this is not, this is not our home. I just want to get that in my heart now so I can still live with, with green grass and, and a nice warm home in the cold and air conditioning in the summer. Let me just get it in my heart now so he doesn't have to take all it away so I can get that those things are temporary. Does that make sense? He says, in verse 36, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. This is, the, this is the list of, of these, those with faith. Such tremendous faith, we call this the hall of faith in Christianity. We don't read these scriptures, though. We read about Moses and uh, Abraham. We always skip these verses here at the end. 
Some were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Man, God is so mean. Where's God? Where's their faith? Wait, where's their faith? Where's your faith? You couldn't faith yourself out of this? No, it took faith to get through it. Come on. Come on, stop thinking that faith is going to get you out of something, but you've got faith to get you through it. I don't know what's God and what's the devil. I'm, I'm, unless we sit down, we have a personal counseling session, we ask the Holy Spirit to look at your life personally. Don't try to look blanketly. Don't look at those that God has blessed or those that are in prison as some sort of a standard. It can go any direction that he chooses for your life to have an impact on the circle around you because he's God and he needs to reach every single person. And as crazy as it is, because Paul showed it to us, maybe there's a prison guard that needs to be reached and who's going to reach him except to put a believer in prison. Wow, God would do that? He did it. Wow, I'm preaching today. It says, verse 38, they were too good for this world. I love the way that this translates this. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these people, come on, it tells us it goes to the good reputation part after this list. It's not bypassing Moses, who God did amazing, great things with, but don't just look at Moses and Abraham with the blessing and the favor and think that that's your definition of faith because there's another half. We don't know what his purpose is in your life, but we've been looking. I've been prepping you that God is always good. That was last week, remember? He's always good. And David learned, he said, it was good that I was afflicted. Once you realize the goodness of God, the situation in your life is irrelevant. You know that God's good and he's got something good through it. It says they earned a good reputation because of their... Come on. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. Why? He didn't say that they weren't going to receive it. The whole point of these chapters, and you really, we don't have the time. You could spend weeks and weeks and weeks of Hebrews is just painting the whole picture of the full gospel here about what Jesus did, about removing our sin, about, and about who we are. It's that because we already read it, because verse 16, because the full promise is not on this side, but it's a heavenly homeland. There's a better place. Verse 16, a city prepared for them by God himself. Will we make any sense today? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you've done in us already. You've already done so much, Lord. You have taken us, Lord, as the word says, from the miry clay, Lord. You took us from our mess. You took us, Lord, from our delusions, Lord, from our false views on reality, Lord. And you removed us from that world system and gave us new life, new eyes to see, new ears to hear. We set our eyes on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Actually, because of that prayer, I have to say this verse. 
It says, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, I won't continue preaching, but I have to read this. The Holy Spirit just pricked me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, come on, we know this verse, and this is the whole point. Holy Spirit just said, hey, you forgot the last point. The whole point of this is, therefore, talking to us, Therefore, because of that list and because of their faith, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses that went before us and did amazing things and even paid a horrible price, but they kept their faith, these are witnesses to the life of faith. Let us, that's us too, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse two, come on, and we do this. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, pointing to us as well. That he, he went away. There was a way that he went. Follow him. He disregarded its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Amen.